Okay, so if this is your very first time today, let me just kind of catch you up on where we are in this Dark Days series. So we have been talking about this guy named David. And yes, this is the David of David and Goliath. This is the David who would eventually become the king of Israel, okay? And David has had some tremendous successes, starting with, with slaying Goliath and then having all kinds of success as a member of King Saul's army, right? King Saul is the current king of Israel. But here's the thing. David's had so much success and he's got caught up in all that, right? And now Saul is insanely jealous, the current king of Israel, so jealous of this rising star in the kingdom, King David. And so it's gotten so bad that Saul has actually repeatedly tried to take David's life. And so David has now, he's out on the run. He's like a fugitive on the run. And so we've been looking at that the the past couple of weeks. And just to catch you up on, on where we are for today. So Saul has been pursuing David out in the desert and as chapter, First uh, Samuel chapter 23 ends, because we're going to be looking at First Samuel chapter 24 today. So as chapter 23 ends, Saul almost gets David in the desert of Ziph. And man, it is just crazy. He's bearing down on David. Like it looks like this is going to be it. And in the midst of that, when he's, when he's closing in, it's just going to be a matter of hours or days, uh, word gets to Saul that the Philistines, the arch enemy of the Israelites, um, that they're having this huge raid on Israel. And so Saul has to pull out and he has to go and take care of that. So that's where we are. And we find out that, that David then goes to the strongholds of En Gedi. Okay, and so that's where we are as First Samuel twenty four closes or, or begins, I, I should say. So here we go, First Samuel twenty four verse one. You follow along in your Bible or in your bulletin on the back uh, there. There's an outline. It says in verse one, after Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told David is it is in the desert of En Gedi. Now. I've got a map up here so you can kind of get a reference. So we're talking about modern day Israel. And so David was in the desert of Ziph and now he's moved about 10 miles or so east to En Gedi and that is right on the shore of the Dead Sea. I've got a little picture, like an aerial view of En Gedi today. It's actually like this nature reserve type deal. Okay, but that's the terrain that we're dealing with here. This is, this is pretty, pretty crazy stuff. And that's where David and his men are. So it says, verse 2, Saul took 3,000, that's not a misprint, okay, 3,000 able young men from all of Israel and set out to look for David and his men near the crags of the wild goats. How'd you like that for your name or your neighborhood, okay? So so he sets out 3,000 men from all Israel. Can you see the level of insanity? Can you see the level of jealousy? Can you see the level of hatred that King Saul has for this rising star, David? So it says, he came to the sheep pens along the way and a cave was there. And Saul went to relieve himself. Now, I don't want to get too much into this, but, um, but I do have to give you a little bit of information so that you can just kind of, you know, re- understand what's going on. Okay, when it says that he went into a cave to relieve himself, this is more than just like he had a little too much Gatorade along the journey in the desert. Do, do, are we clear? Okay, in, in the Hebrew language, th- this, this relieve yourself 
has to do with like covering up your business. You know what I'm saying? Are we good? Can we? Okay. We're okay. Beautiful. All right. So, so, you know, King Saul's there. He's got his Wall Street Journal out, you know, and, and he's, he's taking care of, taking care of business. Well, check this out. David and his men were far back in that cave. So the men said, to David, this is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. You see, this is so improbable. This is so unbelievable that David's men turn him and are like, this has to be God. I mean, what are the odds? He has, he has King Saul totally defenseless right here. This is the God orchestrated moment, David. So, Look how David responds. It says, Then David crept up unnoticed and cut off, not King Saul's head, but cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Maybe Saul had set his robe down, it was kind of off to the side or whatever, we're not sure. But he cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Now check this out. This is interesting what happens next. Afterward, David was conscious stricken for having cut off a corner of his robe. He said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lay my hand on him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. So, this is is wild. Here's what's happening. Even though King Saul has has given David total fits, I mean, he has been stalking David, even though they're like arch enemies of one another, what David realizes is that Saul is still the king of Israel. And this robe that he just cut off a corner of the robe, that robe signifies royalty, right? That, that signifies his kingship. And so the deal is this. David has so much respect for God that despite Saul's failings, the reality is he's still God's anointed king of Israel. And so David has so much respect for God that he has to respect King Saul as God's chosen king. So it says in verse seven, with these words, David sharply rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. And Saul left the cave and went his way. Now, can you imagine what David's men must have been thinking at that moment? David, it's so obvious. God he just orchestrated everything for you. And what did you do? What were you thinking, David? Are you serious? You got a corner of his robe? What's wrong with you? I mean, all you had to do, one swipe of your sword and all our problems are over. We're not hiding out in a cave anymore. I mean, this is a done deal. You could take over your reign as the new king of Israel. David, this is no time to take the high road. Come on, what are you doing? So in the midst of the the incredible tension that must have been between David and his men in that moment, as Saul goes to peel out of the cave, you know what David does? Check this out, verse eight. It says, then David went out of the cave and he called out to Saul, my Lord, the king. You know what he's just done right there? You talk about the guys wondering what he, was, what he was thinking. Now he's just outed himself. Now he's just said, hey guys, here I am, 3,000 men. Okay, we're right here. So now all the cards are now on the table. You thought the stakes were high before, guys. Now the stakes are all the way at the absolute top. 
So he, he calls out to Saul, and it says, when Saul looked behind him, David bowed down. I want you to notice the, the respect and humility that David shows here. It's so powerful. It says, David bowed down and prostrated himself with his face to the ground. He said to Saul, why do you listen when men say, David is bent on harming you? This day you've seen with your own eyes how the Lord delivered you into my hands in the cave. Some urged me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not lay my hand on my Lord because he is the Lord's anointed. See, my father, you see the reverence there? He calls him my father, my Lord, my king. He's bowed down, face on the ground. He says, see, my father, look at this piece of your robe in my hand. I cut off the corner of your robe, but I didn't kill you. See, there's nothing in my hand to indicate that I'm guilty of wrongdoing or rebellion. I haven't wronged you, but you're hunting me down to take my life. May the Lord judge between you and me, and may the Lord avenge the wrongs you have done to me, but my hand will not touch you. As the old saying goes, from evildoers come evil deeds, so my hand will not touch you. This is absolutely amazing, you guys. So here is David. Perfect chance to take out his arch enemy. And instead, with complete reverence and humility, he proclaims his innocence. He basically proves his innocence. He doesn't try and tear down Saul or attack his character. He basically is just saying, look, I'm not guilty. I don't know what you're thinking, but there is nothing in me that is going to do anything to harm you. And he basically says, listen, despite all you've done to me, Saul, despite all you've done to me, the multiple times you've tried to kill me, I will not lay a hand on you. And he pledges undying, unwavering loyalty to a guy Who's been trying to kill him? You talk about taking the high road. Oh my goodness. You know, most of us here in this room, we can think about someone in our life who's done us wrong, uh, either intentionally or unintentionally. They've caused pain. They've caused hurt. Uh, we can think about people we might have grudges against or certainly have a lot of um, conflicted feelings about. And, you know, in the right scenario for us, maybe the right situation, or maybe we're in the right state of mind, we can actually imagine a day, may not be today, but we can imagine a day where we would actually take the high road with that person. Like we would extend grace that they don't deserve. We would forgive them for things maybe they haven't even apologized about, right? I mean, we can think of, of a scenario or a situation. We can envision it. Maybe it'd be years from now, but we can picture it in our minds, right? Uh, taking that high road and saying, you know what? They don't deserve it, but I'm going to extend forgiveness and grace and love even in the midst of what's happened to me. And if that's you, your high road might look like this. So it's pretty darn steep and it's pretty long and it's pretty daunting. It's pretty overwhelming, but it's attainable. It may not be anything that you want to do right now, but in your mind, you think, yeah, I could see. It's not impossible, right? You could see yourself doing it, compelled by the right circumstances and with a lot of help from God. Now, that's our high road. You want to see what David's high road looked like in this situation? This is David's high road. 
I mean, this is flat out unbelievable. It's preposterous, okay? Think about trying to extend grace and mercy and love and respect to someone who has been physically trying to kill you. That's what David is doing here. He has totally put his life and all his cards on the table and put his life in Saul's hand. I mean, this is basically impossible. I can't even imagine attempting this, what what David has done here. So the question before us really is, what in the world would make David pass up a chance to just take out his enemy, and instead he puts himself in a position where he has to be completely humbled before Saul and put his life literally out on the line? What in the world would compel him to do this? Well, we kind of got a little indication from the text earlier that the only reason that David takes this high road, the only reason he doesn't take Saul's life back in that cave is because of God. It's because of his respect for God, and this is still God's anointed king until the time when he is not. So you got to understand, this is such an important point. This has nothing to do with Saul. Okay? For David, this has absolutely nothing to do with Saul. It has nothing to do with the other person. It has everything to do with God and doing it God's way. Now, I want us to look at verses 12 and 15 because these two verses here, they give us such incredible insight into how David mustered the motivation and the courage to take this unbelievable risk and to actually bow down, face on the ground, and, and to out himself like this in front of his enemy. Okay? And as, as we look at these two verses, I just want you to pay attention to what this tells us about David's faith in God. Okay? So I'll, I'll read it to you, and I just want you to think, okay, what does this tell me about David's faith? Okay? Here's what David says. This is still in his conversation with King Saul. He says, verse 12, May the Lord judge between you and me. May the Lord avenge the wrongs you have done to me. Verse 15, May the Lord be our judge and decide between us. May he consider my cause and uphold it. May he vindicate me by delivering me from your hand. See, the reason that David can take the high road right now, and I just want to say, if, if you've been here and you kind of like tuned out and, and you just kind of like fell asleep for a couple minutes, okay, just, just tune right back in. We're, we're still good, okay? We're still good. This, this is such an important point, okay? So just come right back to me, okay? And here we go. The reason that David can take the high road in this insane situation that's happening is because he trusts that if he takes the high road and if he does it God's way, then God is going to deliver. God is going to judge rightly. God is going to avenge. God is going to make things right. God is going to see it through. So he has to trust God so much that he's saying, I'm going to take the high road, God, and I just believe with everything in me that you are going to deliver. You're going to avenge. You are going to see me through this. You see, Taking the low road in life, that's easy, isn't it? I mean, it is so incredibly tempting. 
But see, the low road, that's all about trusting in yourself, right? It's about in that moment, just trusting your own instincts, trusting your own emotions, trusting just, your, you know, just your feelings and that initial just visceral response in the moment. I mean, it is so compelling. And there's really only one person you have to check with on that, and that's you. It's all about trusting yourself. Taking the high road, now that's a whole different deal. Taking the high road is incredibly difficult. And the reason it's so difficult is because taking the high road involves total trust in God. And that's what we see David doing right here. Basically, taking the high road is saying, you know what, God? Even though this is impossibly hard, even though this is crazy, I'm going to take the high road, I'm going to do it your way, and I'm going to trust that you will deliver. I'm going to trust that you will judge rightly. I'm going to trust that you will avenge. I'm going to trust that you will uphold me. Total trust in God. That's what it's like to take the high road. You know, in our lives, just about all of us are facing some situation or some relationship, something that's going on be it with somebody close to you, be it with something at work, being it with a friend, you know, whatever it is, where we're facing something similar today. And there are really two roads that we can take. There's that low road that just calls out to us, man, that would just feel so good. It'd be so easy. I mean, you just, you just coast on down. It's just calling out your name. Just come on down. Just short term, it'll just feel so incredible right? And we've all been there. Many of us are there right now. We can see the two roads. And that low road, man, oh, that would just be so great to head down that road. There's always two roads. Which one are you going to take? The easy one that's about trusting in yourself or the hard one that involves trusting in God? Now, before you answer that question, I want to give you a word of caution here. See, the high road, not only is it much, much, much more difficult and involves a lot of trust in God, but it also doesn't always take you where you think it's going to take you. Let's, uh, let's see how this turns out for David and Saul. So we're picking up in verse 16 now. So David's given this big deal. He said, basically, look, Saul, I'm, I'm yours. You, despite all you've done to me, I'm just, I'm humbly, I'm your servant. I'm loyal to you till the end. So I'm totally innocent. Okay, he's, he's proclaimed it. And here's, here's Saul's response. When David finished saying this, Saul asked, is that your voice, David, my son? And he wept aloud. You are more righteous than I, he said. You have treated me well, but I have treated you badly. <laughs> this is unbelievable. So here in this big moment, what happens? David takes the high road and Saul completely loses it. He breaks down, he cries like a baby, and he basically confesses. David, you're so much better than me. I'm so sorry for what I've done. He goes on, he says, you have just now told me about the good you did to me. The Lord delivered me into your hands, but you didn't kill me. When a man finds his enemy, does he let him get away unharmed? May the Lord reward you well 
for the way you treated me today. I know that you will surely be king and, that my ki- and the kingdom of Israel will be established in your hands. Now swear to me by the Lord that you will not kill off my descendants or wipe out my name from my father's family. And this was a big deal back then because when the outgoing king went out, man, good chance that every, all the family was going to get wiped out too. So you didn't have any future competition for the throne. So he asked David, please just, just promise me you'll take care of my family. And so it says, verse 22, David gave his oath to Saul. And then Saul returned home. And I want to pause right there because at this point in this account, we're all sitting there going, now see, this is the way it should be, right? You take the high road, you trust God, you do the honorable thing. You, you put yourself out there, you extend love and grace and respect that, that isn't deserved in any way. And this is so beautiful, isn't it? Then they just crack and they just cry like a baby. And you're like, yes, you know, I mean, this is just awesome. This is how it should always be when we take the high road. You take the high road and you get rewarded. Doesn't that feel good? Anybody else into Disney movies? Okay, so that's kind of it. You know what I'm saying? There's our Disney movie. Hold on though, hold on. It doesn't end there. It says, then Saul returned home, but, and that is a big old but right there, okay? But David and his men went up to the stronghold. David didn't go back home. Saul went home. David go back home? No, he didn't. You know why he didn't? Because he knew that as sincere as Saul might have been in that moment, it wasn't going to last. And he was dead on right. He went back to the stronghold, back to his position with his men. And Saul, you read later, if you continue reading in 1 Samuel, you see Saul attacks him again. Saul comes back. He comes back to his selfish senses, channels that jealousy and that rage again. And he comes back at David. That change isn't lasting in Saul. So David takes the high road and it doesn't, turn out ultimately the way he wants. And isn't that so true for us? You know, we take the high road and sometimes it's beautiful and other times, man, it just does not go the way we had hoped. You you know what it is? (laughs) It's just so practical, you know. We take the high road and what do we want to see? We want to see a change in the other person, don't we? I mean, that's really why we took the high road, isn't it? Let's be honest. We, we're dying to see the change in that other person. Or we're dying to see the change in that, that organization or that, that you, whoever it was that is just not taking the high road. We want to see a change in them. That's our concern when we take the high road. You know what God's concern is? It doesn't have anything to do with that other person. I'm sorry to say it. This is very, very sobering. But the reality is we are so focused when we take the high road on the change in the other person. And God is so concerned about the change in us. That's what God's interested in. God's interested in the heart. God's interested in our character. God's interested in knowing whether we have sunk down, we have gotten sucked down into the gutter, or we are up on the high road where we have a better perspective and we can hear from God and we're doing the honorable thing that God wants us to do. So, 
whether you're here this morning and you find yourself in the midst of some very dark days, or maybe you're doing just fine, the reality is this. We all find ourselves at a crossroads, whether it's at work or at home, in a relationship, dealing with an enemy, you know, whatever it is, we all find ourselves at a crossroads. And there's two roads. There's one going up, pretty darn hard. There's one going down, seems pretty good, seems pretty easy. And the question, again, is which road are you going to take? Which one are you going to take? Now, if you're a Christian, I have kind of good news, bad news on this. Um, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, if you claim to put your faith in Jesus Christ and you sign up to follow him and, and do what he wants, then the good news is that if, you're, if you have trouble making decisions, like you come to the road and you're like, which one should I take? And I just don't know. And you just kind of stuck, you know, the great news for you is this. Jesus says, take the high road every time, every time. It's not even a decision. You don't even have to worry about it. So that's the good news. The bad news is you got to take the high road. <laughs> if you are here and you profess faith in Jesus Christ, okay, if you call yourself a Christian, this is what God calls you to do every single time is to take the high road every single time. Now, if you're here today and, you know, maybe you heard about this church for people who don't go to church and it's laid back and you can come and you can explore and you don't even have to be totally have it all figured out yet and it's, it's great and it's, it's cool. I'm so glad you're here. And in fact, I have incredibly great news for you. You don't have to take the high road. You, you haven't signed up and put your faith in Jesus Christ. You haven't said, I'm going to follow you, Jesus. You know, you're always taking the high road. If you're here and you're still kind of on the fence, you're like, I just, I'm, I don't know yet. Okay, you don't have to do this. You, you can still choose that lower road. And in fact, if someone brought you here today and you know that they've already signed up, you can kind of give them an elbow right now and you can just kind of laugh at them and be like, oh, it sucks to be you. You know, you have to take the high road. I mean, you, you've already made your decision. This is what God has told us to do. Look at uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. This is um, a letter written by Peter, the famous Peter, leader of the disciples. Okay? He, he walked with Jesus for three years, totally got all of Jesus' teachings and uh, totally understood what it meant to be a Christian. And he's writing a letter to Christians. He's writing a letter to those of us in this room who put our faith in Jesus Christ, who claim to be Christians, this might just absolutely make you sick to your stomach. Okay, here's the high road. Get ready. 1 Peter 3, 9. He says, don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, here it comes, pay them back with a blessing. Oh. That is what God has called you to do. And he will bless you for it. Although in light of what we just read, maybe that blessing isn't exactly the blessing that you're hoping for, but still there is a blessing in it nonetheless. So here's the deal. So you see a Facebook post and somehow you got involved in that and you just totally got slammed or maybe it's a group email or a group text or something like that, okay? And 
right then in that moment, you just see two roads. And man, that low road, ooh, it is so tempting. I mean, you, you, just in a few seconds, baby, you, you can square things away. You can fire something back, right? I mean, just, oh man, would that be awesome to do that? Wouldn't that just feel good in the moment? Or you could stop. You could talk to God about it for a minute. And you could attempt to take the high road. Maybe you've just been miserable in an awful job situation. And like for years, this job has been sucking the life out of you. And not only that, but you feel taken advantage of. This is not a high character organization. And constantly like integrity is being compromised and all sorts of things. And you've tried to do your best. And you know what? Finally, the day has come. Finally, the day has come where you you land that new job. And you're just so excited. You know, the light at the end of the tunnel, you're there. And your current employer, who you just cannot stand, says, hey, that's awesome. You know, we're going to need a month's notice. You know, going to need you to honor, honor your month's notice. And right then in that moment, that low road just opens up so wide, doesn't it? I mean, it is just, woo, it's just right there before you. And that would feel so incredibly amazing to walk down that road. Which road are you going to take, though? Are you going to trust yourself, your instincts, your emotions in that moment, or are you going to trust God? How about in a relationship that you're in? And uh, it's complicated. Uh, it's not going away. And um, whatever the issue is, you're, you're both kind of entrenched in your position. You know, your heels are dug, dug in. You both feel entitled. Um, you both know that there's an issue there but your pride is just locked in and you're, you're not, you are not going to relent from your position. It is just so much easier to stay on the low road, isn't it? One of the best pieces of advice I've ever gotten about relationships is this. When you're kind of at that stalemate and neither one's moving, Whoever is the most spiritually mature always takes the first move. The spiritually mature one always is the first to extend the olive branch. Always is the first one to try and reconcile. Always is the first one to swallow their pride and to say, you know what? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Right? It's always the most spiritually mature one who does that. You know why? Because it requires tremendous faith in God and humility that comes from God. So, okay, I don't want to belabor the point. You guys get the point of this message. There are always two roads. Which one are you going to take? I'm going to ask our communion team, if you guys would please uh, go ahead and uh, grab the communion elements and, and take your positions at our different communion stations. While they're doing that, I just want everyone to know that we're going to celebrate communion today as we close out this service. And uh, the music team is going to come up and they're going to um, play a, a song that we're going to use during our communion time. And then after that song is over, we're going to dismiss you to go. Communion is open to everyone here at Grace. If you would like to take communion, you are more than welcome to take it. Here's the deal, though, okay? Stay with me for a second. Communion is actually a celebration of God taking the high road. This 
is the ultimate act of God taking the high road with us. You realize that? Like God looks down on us and what's happening down here and all the suffering and all the pain and all the doubt and all the struggle and all the confusion and all the dark days. And when we celebrate communion, it's remembering that God said, you know what? I am going to humble myself. I'm not just going to remain up in the heavenly somewhere. I am actually going to come down to this earth. This is the significance of communion. If you've never heard it explained, okay, here it is. God coming down to this earth, taking on human form, taking on the person of Jesus Christ, living a life that none of us could possibly live, a perfect life, and then dying a death as a sacrifice, as a payment, as a penalty for all the sins, all the mistakes, all the wrongs that we've ever done in the whole, that's ever happened in the whole world. And it's basically God saying, you know what? If you didn't know, I am going to enter human history and I am going to prove my love to you and I'm going to extend my grace and my forgiveness to everyone. You talk about taking the high road. This is the ultimate expression. So when we take this bread, this signifies Christ's body was broken for us on that cross. And when we take the cup, this signifies Christ's blood shed for us. So you will come if you feel like you, oh, hold on to that. Um, <laughs> if you feel so moved and uh, you will come and you will um, take that, take the bread and you will dip it into the cup and uh, you will take that as a remembrance of God taking the high road for you and celebrating the fact that the God of the high road promises his spirit to enable all of us to follow after him and take the high road in our lives. So I'm going to pray for you. And then um, we're going to have one last song as we take communion. And then we'll dismiss you when that song is over. So if you bow your head, let me pray for you. Uh, God, uh, just (laughs) want to say thank you for a challenging message that comes from your word. Lord, that low road, oh man, does it look good. It is so easy. It is so tempting. God, but we know that you are God who calls us to the high road. And we thank you, God, for that call, for that challenge, that you believe in us enough, in our character and our integrity, to call us to that high road. And that, God, you don't just call us there and then just leave us to scramble up the face of a cliff, but you send us your spirit. You send us humility. You send us your strength. And you send us the reminder that you are going to deliver, you are going to avenge, you are going to judge, you are going to uphold, you're going to see us up that climb. Not necessarily to see the change in somebody else, but because you delight in the change in us. God, as we come forward and we receive communion, we celebrate what you've done for us and we just pray, God, you would change us more and more into the person of Jesus Christ person you long for us to be like. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Grace Community Church, a church for people who don't go to church, meets on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. in Arlington, Virginia. Connect with us anytime at trygrace.org.